talk to you about a topic uh, this morning and next week titled, God is Good. And I want to share it with you from the perspective that God is good unconditionally. Unconditionally. He's not good to me when things are good for me. He is good for me all the time. And so I want to navigate what that looks like because I have found in my life, I'm sure you have too, that although God is good, I have not always found things to be good or me to be in a good place or me not seeing God being good. I haven't always been able to see it. And I think it's important for us to navigate that that's true in Scripture generally. You know, there is a very well-known psalm in the Bible. Everybody here, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not a Christian and you're sitting in the back row, you know, that was very rude, I'm sorry. Some very serious saints sitting in the back row interceding for the rest of us. But you know the psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The more modern translation says, Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I'm always looking for the lacking nothing. But the Lord is my shepherd means that God is my leader. And so today I want to talk to you about how to discover the goodness of God by allowing God to be a good leader in your life. And this should provoke thoughts in you of how easy are you to lead? And how is how much authority do you give to the leadership of Christ, of God in our lives? Because the leader, our shepherd, takes us to green pastures and still waters. God is good, but he is good at what? Sometimes, you know, ever, ever had a meal? Uh, I've done this in a restaurant. I should never have done this. I did this at a restaurant. I had a lovely meal and the chef came out. They said, oh, hi, George, I know you. And what do you think of my meal? I said, it's good. And he said, how? And then I had to think of all those terms they taught me from Master Chef. <laughs> it hits the palate in a wonderful way. And when... <laughs> It's got notes of fruit in the, 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 I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about, but notes of fruit in the sauce. And when you're done with it, it stays, leaves as a wonderful sweet after, I don't know what I'm talking about. But I think sometimes we use catchphrases and we don't dive into them to know what we, so God is good how? God is good because God is a good leader. And that, that is not easy to understand anymore because good, good leaders are rare. Politically, scarce. Now look, I'm, let's say, now look, I'm not one to get into, we don't need to be getting into politics, but scarce. If they don't have a problem, you know, with the number of wives in their bed, then they've got a num- problem with the amount of money under their bed. You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But don't laugh at Africa. Just look the other side of the ocean. Scarce. Scarcerer. I mean, if that was a word, but I mean, it's the best word I can give for the madness of the situation. Scarce. Leadership is also under threat. Who's the leader of your home? Oh, can't touch that topic. So we degrade leadership. We make jokes. 
Who wears the pants? Nowadays, we can't find the pants. Nobody wears the pants. We can't even make pants jokes anymore because the people are not wearing pants. And I have to use humor because the topic is quite serious, isn't it? But now all of a sudden, I'm not happy with how leadership is being corroded to the point that we're going nowhere because we trust no one to get us there. And we don't find green pastures and still waters. We want a life where we lack nothing, but we don't want a shepherd who leads the sheep. We don't want shepherds. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, says strike the shepherd scatter the sheep. You take leadership out of the house, the house scatters. You take leadership out of society, everybody scatters. You take leadership out of the church, everybody scatters. You take leadership out of your heart, you are fragmented. You don't know which way to go. And every YouTuber you listen to becomes your new leader for the week. You binge watch them and then you realize, okay, they're also very lost. So if you're going to follow them, there's going to be two people lost. In what way is the Lord good? The Lord is a good leader. Isaiah 43 uh, verse 16 says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We've become a world, a society where we analyze the desert, but we won't let anybody lead us through it. And there is something really powerful about that passage of Scripture because it's about the parting of the Red Sea and God reminding the children of Israel, remember when you got stuck and didn't know where to go and I led you through it? And if you get to another situation like that, I will lead you through it. Stop worrying about the past. Let's start looking about the future. You see, because good leaders introduce you to your future self, not your past self. See, if you're a good leader in a company, your job is to introduce your present company to its future company version. If you're a good leader in corporate, then your job is to find somebody in your company and introduce them to a better future version of themselves. Somebody they don't recognize yet, but you've seen it and you've got to show it and they have to believe it and then they have to follow it. Is that clap of a moment? I think the power of this passage of Scripture is this idea that the Lord is my leader and He is good because God will make a way. This is why God is good. God makes a way. Look, I'm not expecting other leaders to make a way in the same way that God can make a way. I do expect leaders to make some kind of way. I think that would be nice, right? Our political leaders should make, you know, we should make our way to 2024. I think we should have social and moral leaders who make our way to a better something. But God can make a way where no one else can make a way. And I think uh, when we allow him to be our shepherd and our leader, uh, then we can say God is good. Because he doesn't take away the desert or the Red Sea. He doesn't, he prepares a table for me 
in the presence of my enemy. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the shepherd, we could substitute that word for leader. The leader leads me. He's a good leader. He leads me through it all. The, the enemy will be there. The desert will be there. The valley will be there. It can't be taken away. It won't be taken away, but he'll lead me through. He's going to lead you through cancer. He's going to lead you through rebellious child life. He's going to lead you through infertility. He's going to lead you through a business not doing well just yet because God is good. But the idea of leadership is not passive. God is not a passive leader. And you must not be a passive follower. Following is not passive. It is very active. And it is no longer popular to be active. It has become popular to be passive. We watch other people live their lives. I was struck by this the other day. I realized I have to put my consumption of information on a clock. At a certain point in time, I must say, that's enough for today. Because after a while, I'll be watching five YouTube clips about how to grow tomatoes and not grow tomatoes myself. Other people have, I just haven't. So I have to put it on a timer, Chip. X amount of time. It's wonderful that that's a lovely thing that they've, I've always liked that they've added that to your Apple phone, an alarm. And, and you put it on a timer and you get off your, your, your couch and you plant a tomato tree. Now, some people we can observe, we can watch, we can consume. That's not yet following. That might even be learning, observing, even inspiring. Oh, very inspired, revved up. But following is not passive. Following is active. And God seeks to be active in your life as your leader. Romans chapter 8 also a very well-known like New Testament. This is slightly more uh, higher grade Christians will like this verse. Romans 8, 28, that uh, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for uh, whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Uh, do you know the one verse that nobody highlights, the one word that nobody highlights in that verse? Work. Because it's, it's, not a, it's not a word you put on a wall, you know. You know, eat, sleep, laugh goes on the wall. Not work. Not, not, not rise, work, repeat. Like, we're not there. We're on the other stuff. We're on the soft stuff. God works. or There's an implication of activity there. How do all things work together for the good? What's well, an implication of activity? He, he's working it, you're working it, together you're working it out, and together those things work out for the good. God is not a passive leader. There is no such thing as passive leadership. You therefore must not be a passive follower. If you'll allow him to be an active leader, and you will be an active follower. He will take you to green pastures and still waters, and he will make things work out together for your good, not by observation, but by obedience. By obedience. And there are a couple of reasons why we need a leader. You might question that. You might say, well, I'm a grown-up. I heard this really great phrase the other day. Don't take it personally. I think it's wrong. But I'm going to say it anyway. Like, 
Do you think it's funny? Somebody was being asked if they wanted a coffee, and they said yes, a double shot, and the person said, a double shot what? Cappuccino, a double shot macchiato, a double shot latte, and they said no, just a double shot espresso, because I'm an adult. Look at the tension in the room. I mean, I could have insulted you about the end times and it wouldn't be so tense. Of course, the idea is that European nations believe that you only have milk in your drink at the start of the day and the rest of the day, real adults only drink espressos. Now, in South Africa, I feel it's a bit different. I feel we should buy cappuccinos after church at any of our several coffee shop (laughs) options. Uh, and our ever-expanding little empire of coffee machines. There is now one at entrance two, and it serves as a duplicate to the one in Warehouse One uh, for hot drinks, not eats. Anyway, I hope that calmed the department in question. But there's a reason why I say that. Uh, You might think, I've reached the point where it's just me and the Lord, or another, what kind of leading do I need? I am an adult, and I am a leader uh, in my own way. And in what way do I need God to lead me? I, I need to express a couple of things here, because when you see them, when you see why we need him to be a good shepherd, a good leader, you will turn to him and say, where you go, I will follow you go, you, you, you'll become suddenly aware. Don't lose sight of Have you ever followed somebody home before, before Google Map Day? So that cancels everybody 24 and younger. But before Google Map Days, if someone said to you, follow me home, how many of you are willing to admit that on one or two occasions you might have even broken rules of the road not to lose sight of them? If they, and how annoying if somebody is leading you and doesn't stop when the traffic light goes Orange, just stop. Now I have a moral dilemma. Now if I lose you, I'm lost. If I go through the red traffic light, I'm in trouble. What I should do is let you go and wait for me, but you won't. You don't Don't lose sight of him. Don't lose sight of him. Don't lose sight of him. Whatever his pace is, keep that pace. Don't lose sight of him. There are a couple of reasons why this idea of being led by God is so fundamental to our obedience and following of Christ. The first idea that the Bible tells us is that we are all born blind. All of us. Now, I don't just mean biologically. I'm aware that, you know, not too many babies. I'm not sure, but I imagine most babies don't, you know, appear, uh, uh, are born eyes pop open and alert. I think most of them have their eyes closed and I, I think most babies are, are celebrated when they finally open their eyes. Okay, these are lovely. And then they don't focus for a little while. And then after a while, they only focus on one thing or two things. And then you've got to distract them from the focus. I'm just guessing. But I, I do see the sympathetic trauma in some of the parents' eyes. It's like, so right, we're still there. But interestingly, I think that's just a mirror a, a, a physical or biological re- reminder of a spiritual reality. Every person is born emotionally, physically, and spiritually blind. In fact, the Bible tells us you could live your whole life and you, you will even at the best of times, we will see dimly as in a mirror. 
says Corinthians. We don't see the whole picture. We can't. We're not capable of processing the whole picture. But we are born blind. We have blind spots. We don't see everything. We're not sure what we're seeing when we see it. Have you not perceived it, Isaiah says? That represents sight. Can you not see it? Do you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. Can you spot it? Can you see it? Every one of us are born blind. The sadness of life would be to go through all of your life blind to the things that are truly beautiful. You just don't see it. And God, in every sense, has to open the eyes of the blind. Whether it is spiritual or metaphorical or physical, uh, it, is, it, is, it is Saul becoming Paul and having scales on his eyes. It is the opening of the blind eyes in the miracle stories. It is Ephesians reminding us that Paul prays that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. There's stuff you don't see and you need God to open your eyes. Now, look, your, your wife might open your eyes to some things and your husband might open your eyes to some things. Your kids might open your eyes to some things. We all learn from somebody. I know a lot of people who've seen the character of God through the raising of children process and how much you would do for a child and remembering, how, uh, letting that remind you of how much God would do for you. But let me tell you, you've seen nothing yet until you've seen what the Lord has to reveal to you. God is good. Oh yeah, we, we, we almost got there. We almost got there. We should, we should do it again at least once or twice in the service. God, we'll, we'll do it at the end. We'll do it at the end. We'll do it at the end. See, all of us have to recognize that we are, have blind spots or are blinded or see dimly and we need the Lord to open our eyes. We need the Lord to... Let me tell you, uh, we, uh, blindness is becoming... I nearly said a pandemic, but now that is such a sensitive word. I can't use that word. I'm not emotionally ready to use that word, but blindness is, is, is becoming endemic to the human condition. What I mean by that is you've got teenagers, they're blind to something, pushing through on something else. Parents blind to something, pushing in another direction. Churches blind to something going on in the world, taking things a bit too casually. Political leaders blind to how their actions are affecting the moral culture of the country, not just the economic one. These blind spots seem obvious to someone else, but so importantly powerful that God should reveal them to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. This idea is that our blind condition is not just accidental. The devil deliberately keeps you from a better vision. A lot of us have had the privilege of seeing God open our eyes to something whether it is like Damien sharing about giving. You know, your eyes have to be opened to generosity. I mean, you can talk about it, but you could be blind to it. Or the idea of sacrifice, the idea of servant leadership, making yourself last so that others can be first, so that God would put you first rather than you trying to put you. That 
you can just be blind to it. It makes no sense until God opens your eyes. And it is a spiritual awareness that opens your, your eyes. It becomes incredibly necessary for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and wake us up. I don't know how you wake up. Some people wake up instantly. The minute they're awake, they're alert. Others, it's a process. Now I can see some people looking at one another. You know, you know, some of you are aware that you are physically out of bed. But you're not emotionally out of bed yet. You need a process. Do you know that a person can be born again? They are up, but they are not awake yet. Uh, the Bible talks about in Romans, awake up, you who slumber and sleep. Rise, uh, and God will give you light. Uh, Isaiah 61, arise, shine, for your light has come. We need to be delivered. We need to be led out of our own blindness to see the beauty of what God has in mind for us. And I want to encourage you to let him lead you. What seems like an impossibility seems like a, a hurt or a pain. You've got to see something in it that no one else can see. And the Lord must lead you to it. Isaiah 42 verse 16 says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. Then it says, I will turn darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. You know how often we say he makes the crooked places straight as a form of blessing? But do you know what the verse is saying? He makes crooked places straight because he takes the blind by the hand and he leads them in paths of righteousness. Are you willing to admit today there are areas in your life where you're a little blind? You're a little dim of sight. You see dimly as in a mirror. And what you need, God is good. He is a good leader. Will you take him by the hand or let him take you by the hand and he'll lead you through the rough terrain until you get to smooth walking again. There's something really powerful about that, about allowing him to uh, lead us. And then the Bible uh, reminds us that we need a leader because all of us are bound to the ground in some kind of way. Here's what I mean by that. I mean that in the flying sense. I mean that in the sense of rising uh, with uh, wings as eagles. Every person in this room, all of us, online, wherever you are, uh, have reasons to believe that your life should be grounded. But in a negative sense, you, you've had a pain, a separation, a hurt, a mistake, an error. We accumulate through life regrets, disappointments, and frustrations with ourselves. And we load our soul with the heaviness that keeps us on the ground. But God says, sit with me in heavenly places and be seated above all of that. I need a leader to lead me out of the errors of my own ways and the heaviness that that produces so I can soar again. God, God's mercies on you every day. Forget the former things. I'm doing a new thing. Some of us in this room today, uh, hearing this message, you've got to stop thinking about it and let the Lord lead you to a new adventure. You've got to let the Lord lead you to a new adventure. I know this sounds hard to believe. That's why you need a good shepherd. But there's something better ahead no matter how good what was in the past 
lies behind. God is a good shepherd. I'm so grateful for him being a good shepherd, that that which he intends to take me to through the storms and the valleys and the hills and all of that stuff, he gets me there and I will say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. God is good. And all the time. Hey, we've got one more to go and then, and then, and then I think we'll, we'll. God leads us from safe living to spiritual living. I'll be honest, I need to be kicked into spiritual versus safe. Sometimes I just want to make the safe decision, stay on the safe space and not risk the adventure. We need a leader to tell us, come on an adventure. Stop playing it so safe. Ephesians chapter two, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This elevation of our perspective. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? We need to, listen, uh, um, I'm gonna say it. I used to be quite famous for being controversial. I feel like a little bit, of, just a little bit of that. Especially in PE. We have to be careful that other people don't trim our mindset to the size of theirs and rob you of the opportunity of thinking at high places because they can't reach it. Let's be careful of that. There's an attitude that we clip the wings of everybody so we all fly and operate at the same altitude. But every now and then you're going to say, look, it's been real. Now that's a bit rude. It's been lovely. It's been lovely. I just need to catch a thermal wind a little higher. I don't want to diminish in order to keep your company. I'm hoping that you want to keep company and you want to rise. But the way this relationship is going is on the rise, not the other way around. So I need a leader who will lead me to a higher elevation. And there is no human being you know who can take you all the way to the top. Only Jesus Christ can do that. He'll take you. The humans we know, as great as they are, they think the top is the top. But the one who made the heavens and the earth, the Alpha and the Omega, whose, whose beginning has no beginning and end has no end, he knows where the top is. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk, of course, well-known scripture and not faint. And then I need a leader because God built me for better. God built me for better. There's this famous motivational story out there that the first person to, to do a, a mile in a certain time or a hundred meters in under 10 seconds or uh, once they broke the record, then everybody competing seriously also broke it. It took somebody to do it, a forerunner, somebody to do something that seemed impossible to make it attainable for everybody else. Let me tell you why you need the leadership, not just the salvation through Jesus, 
You need the leadership of Jesus because he will break the restrictions that have been placed on you and teach you what God designed you to be. Only God can teach you, gosh, I've had to learn this the hard way. Only God. I'm learning now more and more that the opinion of man must be taken into consideration, but it must not be the final say. I need a final say because if I don't have a final say, I will assign it to somebody else. I mean, whether you like it or not, somebody has the final say in your life. Why don't you choose for that to be God? I used to think about this, agonize about this so much. If it's not silly things like whether being single is a limiting factor to pastoring a church or whether it is living in the Eastern Cape and Mandela Bay and its opportunity, whether it is a big thinking town or not. So many opinions about so many things. But in the end, the Lord is my shepherd. I have to have the leadership of the Lord speak a voice for what I am built for, you're built for, this place is built for. I need to trust a higher authority than just another human voice and let him lead me to green pastures and still waters. The Lord is my shepherd. God stretches our capacity and silences our uncertainty. Do you know how he does that? Maybe we shouldn't talk about it today. Maybe we shouldn't talk about our stretching is so terribly painful. Maybe we shouldn't say, I wish I could just download capacity. Wouldn't that be nice? Now, wouldn't it be nice if I just go to bed tonight and say, Lord, tomorrow I want to wake up a more high capacity person, please. But the way the Lord answers that is he takes you through the wilderness gets a couple of Egyptians to chase you. Metaphorically speaking now, gets you to a river you can't cross. Oh, what am I going to do? It's impossible. They're chasing me. People are shouting at me. I'm trying to get to a land. Maybe I should go back to what I used to do. And in all of it, you hear the small, still voice of the Lord saying, I will lead you. And take you to places you know not of. I will give you the capacity for who you're created to be. You know, mom wants something from you as a person. They dream something of you. Dad dreams something of you. You dream something of your kids. They're all good things. But God dreams something of you. And you need him to download that into your life. Joel chapter 3 says, wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Do you know, I, I hope I've teased out of you all morning that we should read the whole section. Because I love let the weak say I'm strong. I really love that verse. I didn't know that it involved coming out as a warrior and making some weapons and getting onto the battlefield. And it, I didn't know it involved wake up, oh mighty men. And then when you do that, the weak will say, I, I am strong. I showed up on the field for a fight. I came with my weapons 
and God gave me the victory. And then I realized that though I am weak, yet I am strong. When I am led, I am strong. When I am not led, I feel weak. Surely, the most famous of the scriptures out of Romans must be my closing scripture. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, before you just read that verse flippantly, let's apply it to today's conversation. If the economy is going through a tough time, but God is for me. I have a leader who is leading me through it. If church life still needs growing, what shall I say of these things? God is for us and not against us. He will lead us to still waters and green pastures. If I'm going through an attack, a personal, undeserved, sometimes deserved, tough time, what shall I say? The Lord is my leader. God is for me and not against me. God is good. Oh, let's do it properly. God is good. And all the time. How is God good? God is a good and he needs of me to be a good follower because then I will lack nothing. And then I will have still waters and green pastures and a table prepared for me in the presence of my enemy. I need a bridge between the goodness of God and good in my life. And that bridge is following. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Today, I'm affirming that I will be a good follower of a great leader. And then I want to encourage you to close the loop. I'll end with this, I'll end with this. And I'll do it on time. That's how amazing this day is. I'll end with this. Because you're going to go get that cappuccino. I'm just reiterating that I believe in cappuccinos. Um, close the loop. If he leads you well, because you follow well, would you do him the courtesy of leading somebody else well? I'm speaking to parents. You need to start leading your kids. I'm speaking to business owners. You need to start leading your staff. I'm speaking to church members. You need to start leading in your church. I'm speaking to citizens of your country and you start being a leader. Because if you're not a leader, someone louder than you will lead you and you will be the victim of somebody else's leadership. And we need to rise up. Wake up, oh sleepyhead. Rise up, oh mighty warrior. Make a few weapons and step on the field. Then the weak shall say, I am strong. It is time to let him take his leadership role 
and it is time for the church and you to take up yours. There is one more verse. It's not on the screen, and I won't use up the whole clock for those of you who are watching on either side. And you can see the clock and your anxiety level is rising because you're like, look, it's going down. I get it. I get the pressure. You're not under as much pressure as me. Of that, I can be sure. There was a man who wanted Jesus to heal his servant. The man came to Jesus and said, would you come to my house and heal my servant? And Jesus said, I'll come to your house. The man, not a Jew, said to Jesus, you don't have to come. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, how do you know that? He said, well, because I understand authority. I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little. I understand authority. You see, I am a man under authority, so I have authority received and authority released. If my commander says do it and I command it, it is done. That's how authority works. You have authority. You need only say the word. You are here with the authority of heaven. If you say the word, it happens. You don't even have to come to my house. You don't even have to be in the room. You just have to exercise your authority. And what did Jesus say? I haven't seen faith like that in all of Israel. He gets it. Uh, Be under authority. Have authority. Close the circle. The church is desperately needed to exercise her authority. I'm not going to play the game of no pants, who wears the pants, who's a leader, who's not a leader. I'm not playing that game. I fully and completely believe in the authority of Jesus Christ on the earth and that I am submitted under him as the head. I fully believe that God puts headship in a house, headship in a church, headship in a country. I believe if you take it away, then nobody is responsible and nobody is accountable. And I believe that headship should be sacrificial for if Christ was is my leader, his road to my leadership is a death on a cross. And if a husband is to be a leader in their home, then they must lay down their lives for their family. And the route to the top is through the grave and the cross. But we must have leadership. God is good. And all the time, would you please stand with me as we pray? We have a little team of people who come forward to be able to pray for you. So you can be prayed for in person any Sunday. There are also some communion tables on either side of the stage at all our churches. You can have communion. Listen, you should do it whenever you want. During worship, before church, after church. Make it like a holy moment. You can also write down a prayer request. And we as a team will pray for you during the week. Or report a praise report. Something that God has broken through in for you. And we'll celebrate that with you as well. The church doesn't stop at 10 past 10. Church is the sum of our gathering before and after. Make the most of it. But I would like to pray that we will submit to the leadership of Christ. Is that okay? So Lord, would you please teach us today that you are good because you are a good shepherd. 
Thank you, Lord, that you're a good leader and that we're acknowledging our need for leadership. And that true authority, our being able to lead well, is built on being under authority in heaven. Would you please teach us to find our, our place as followers of a great leader, the greatest to have ever lived. Would you teach us the authority that comes with that? And would you teach us the joy that comes with being led to green pastures and still waters? Thank you for leading us well. Lord, we submit to following you well. Would you fill this church, each one of us who hear this message, have this conversation, would you fill us with an awareness of the leadership of Jesus Christ over our lives? And Father, thank you that we would say, He's good at that. God is good at this. And we thank you for the power of that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, would you give God the, the very last shout of praise of the morning? <laughs>